Good morning, podcasters. Hello, welcome. Thank you for listening. My name's Alec Hopkins, and this is Always Talking Films and Stuff. And this is the first episode. Whoopity whoop. I recorded this episode with my guest, Jimmy Walters, back in July. It's now December, um, so it's taken a while for me to get this out there. And the reason being is that it originally was a specific topic. And that specific topic meant that I needed to ask certain people um, for their thoughts on it, some notes, and uh, just to make sure I can say what I wanted. I'm being a little bit cryptic, of course, because I don't want to insult anyone. But it was kind of holding me back in that, you know, I was constantly waiting around. So I decided to make the podcast a little bit broader. Thus the title, Always Talking Films and Stuff. Each episode is talking to someone who I've met along the way in my career. As some of you may know, I work in the media industry and I've met a plethora of interesting people who do really interesting things. So it's good to find out how they do it, why they do it and how they started in their career. And so hopefully it'll give you guys an insight. And peppered throughout will be the odd anecdote, hopefully hilarious. We shall see. So my guest today is Jimmy Walters. I met him during the filming of Order of the Phoenix, a Harry Potter film, for those of you who don't know. He played young Sirius Black to my young Snape. Um, And we've kept in touch ever since and kind of kept up with each other's careers. Jimmy is now a theatre director and he co-runs a theatre production company called Proud Haddock. We recorded it in my kitchen, so it, it might come across as a little echoey and there might be some random sounds from, you know, taps. Also, there is a random voice in the background during the quiz section. That's just my partner, Debbie, helping Jimmy out on the quiz Hopefully I'll bring you more episodes where I'm chatting to creative people who I've met along the way during my 10-year or so career in the media industry. So hopefully we'll have cinematographers, directors, producers, uh, sound people, composers, etc. So if you have any questions or suggestions or you just want to chat, you can get in contact with me via my Twitter. So just send me a tweet or a DM at Alec M. Hopkins Or you could go to my website, www.alecmhopkins.com, and there's some information there on how to get in touch with me. But for now, let's get to the chit-chat. Hello. Hello, Alec. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you, man? I'm very well. Really, really... Good, yeah, just um, enjoying the summer. It's a little bit wet, but apart from that, it's been good. Yeah, I think we've got a couple of days of rain. It's been gloriously sunny. There's been a few days. I've been enjoying a lot of cricket, actually, which has been nice. So had a few days going to Lords and the Oval where the sun's been shining, which I've been quite lucky about. But yeah, apart from that, um, yeah, a wet June, which wasn't good. So we were both in a scene together in Harry Potter. Yes. Um, you played young Sirius, I played young Snape, or in Snape's worst memory. Yeah, which was a great memory for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do have some fond memories. It's been like 10 years, I think it is 10 years. I think this year. is our 10 year reunion, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, pretty much. Strange. It's nuts. I think it literally is, actually. I think exactly 10 years ago, like this week or last week, I think we actually filmed it. Yeah. 
which is crazy. Uh, it was. Yeah, it yeah. was like July, wasn't it? It was, it was. really warm. It was so being... hot. Yeah, and <laughs> I remember that the, the one memory, it's not, it's not a particularly good memory, but one thing I can remember is wearing shoes that there was no grip on them yeah. and really sliding. We had, to, we had to do loads of takes walking up a hill and I kept sliding back down it. Yeah. <laughs> Just like sort of a bit, you know, irritating for all the... Um, you know all the all, all the crew, but uh, eventually we got it sorted. I just pretended to look cool going up, and you know. didn't costume come over with like a Stanley knife and. I think they did a lot. Carved out our shoes, so we had. They some did. So that was it. Yeah, it was like after take three when they realised that we were all basically skidding back down to the lake. Yeah, that, sliding into the water. And sliding back into the water that they came in and and sorted it all out. It's good on a film set when they can do that, isn't it? Yeah. It's not every film set that you get immediate. Um, recovery like that it's probably only only potter and a few others where they can do that but um it was very cool do you remember the first moment where you realized you wanted to be in this industry do you have like a moment or a memory where you kind of were uh, like, i love this or i'm gonna get into this i no not a, not an actual memory not like a moment but okay. i do remember um no i mean if you'd have asked me what i wanted to be when i was 15 years old i, I probably really wouldn't have been able to tell you um but I started to do some out-of-school courses uh, and I, I worked backstage at a theatre and I um, did a Shakespeare course and then I did the National Youth Theatre and I was starting to enjoy, you know, a lot of my friends at school kind of liked acting but not to the same level that I did so it was great to, to meet a load of people from, you know, outside of school from all different backgrounds who uh, shared the passion and shared the interest and I think it was a gradual thing. I think over time I started to realized that maybe it was something I wanted to do and 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 like the audition for Potter really came in the middle of National Youth so it was it was kind of right there at that moment that I was doing the I think actually I it was it was actually when I was physically doing the National Youth Theatre it was a gradual thing I think as opposed to like an epiphany or a you know a random day when I woke up and thought I'll be an actor today so how did you get into it I I guess I kind of I do remember being about eight years old at school and looking up at, uh, we used to have like badges for things. If you would, you know, you get a badge at something that was sewn onto your jumper. And I was pretty bad at most things, to be honest. Um, I wasn't great at sport. I wasn't great academically. But I knew that I did enjoy acting. My parents were pretty supportive of it anyway. I think, you know, my didn't I didn't have any parents or relatives who were actors themselves, but everyone in their own ways kind of creative. You know, my mum went to art school. Um, my dad um, runs a company, so he thinks quite creatively a lot of the time. Um, my uncle studied drama, and he was a manager of a theatre. And then um, my grandfather used to sing opera. So, that, you know, everyone has a streak in it, an wow. artistic streak of some yeah. sort. So they were all kind of supportive, which was great. You've kind of covered how you began and then went into the National Youth Theatre. Mm. And so through that, you got the audition. Mm. How did that come about? Was it something that was open to everyone or did you have they someone actually, approach you? Well, I was, it was in the middle of the National Youth Theatre course and someone actually came to my school because at that time, you know, none of us had agents and they were just looking around schools. And I think it was weird because I'm, I'm, I, th- I think at the time that the Harry Potter book, the first Harry Potter film came out, we, I was kind of like two years older than the character. So I was kind of growing up reading the books on my school holidays. 
I love the books. I mean, I, I, I'm always a bit hesitant about the word fan because I think with Harry Potter fans, you get some real fans. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you, get, you get people like grown men dressing up as wizards and camping for six days. And I'm not quite that level, but yeah. I'm a fan in the way that I would go and buy the book. I always look forward to them coming out. And there seems to be this real like fan loyalty to like keeping the secrets, which is quite nice. And I think he, I was watching an interview with J.K. Rowling recently where she was saying that she you know got the fans to keep a lot of secrets about certain things coming out like the play and all that kind of thing and so it seems to be like a really strong loyalty the first audition was um <clears throat> it was a workshop and we were all in a room and that you know at the time I mean David Yates was there and David Heyman and all the producers and everything but we we didn't know what they looked like or who they were at the time um and they obviously dressed down they weren't they're like circulating in suits or anything um you know they were they were kind of making us feel quite comfortable and everything and um and I remember Robbie, who played James, uh, getting on with him really well, which I think must have helped. They must have seen some kind yeah. of like you know potential. So sorry, that's Robbie Jarvis who played young James. Potter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think you know we're we're supposed to be really good friends in the film, and so this was you know I think they were kind of reading that chemistry mm. in the audition. Um, but wasn't you that went for Lupin? I did. Yes, you just reminded. I did go for Lupin. I remember yeah. that. I remember you telling me. That. I was going. They said I was. I was down for Lupin at this point um so I was studying a lot of David David Duellis um and uh and trying to you know look at him and make my face look like him <laughs> you know so how do I make myself look like him um and so yeah I mean that was interesting um that switch I think it was actually after that audition that they changed me and um they sent an email saying can Jimmy read for Sirius and uh my first initial thing was, I don't really know if I can be as cool as Gary Oldman. Yeah. Like, How can anyone be as cool as him? Um, but I think, you know, it was a little bit deeper than just like a look. I think, you know, there had to be a very strong sense of the scene. Um, and, and the next audition, which was at Riverside Studios, and we were working with David Yates in a bare theatre, which was fantastic. And suddenly it just felt like you were almost rehearsing a play. You know, you were going over the scene again and again and again and you were looking at it through different layers and you were playing around with it and you were coming up with ideas and you got the chance to be very creative, get a lot of undivided attention with the director and that was that was amazing. And I remember at the end of that just thinking, wow, God, you know, if I don't get this role, that's amazing. You know, at the age of 17 to take part in a part of pre-production like that, I just mm-hmm. thought I'd be happy with that. That's awesome. I think that was my kind of mental state throughout the whole audition process. Like, obviously, I, I wanted the role, but I was just enjoying the moment. I was enjoying the audition process. I wasn't anxious. I wasn't. I wasn't looking at the finish line constantly. And I think if I had, I don't know about you, but I think if I had been looking at the finish line and not being in the moment, that that might have not helped me so much. And I think because I had the mindset of, you know, even if I don't get this, it's still so cool. I'm auditioning for a Harry Potter film. Um, you know, I think because I had that mindset, I think I was actually enjoying the process, got the chance to form friendships with other actors, and and I, and I think that that probably helped me. I think. Yeah. What, what was yours? Mine was so different because I remember, like, I remember when we were filming, and uh, everyone was saying how you kind of had these auditions, and sometimes yeah. you'd bump into some of the the big actors. Yeah. I remember uh, Robbie saying he bumped into uh, Robbie Coltrane. And like had a little moment <laughs> going, oh, we got the same names. How oh, good! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't have that. So mine was, um, 
I did a uh, youth theatre group. The director of that knew the assistant casting director and she was saying they were struggling to find someone to be mm. Snape. So he said, oh, I kind of know someone. He's got a, a bit of a, a nose. A bit of a nose. Yeah. Charming. <laughs> <Okay>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. A bit like Rickman. Um, we'll send his pictures over. So I literally sent my pictures and then... Did you find the time between things happening was so long? Oh you my would God. do something and then it just... I just... I was waiting for about four months. And I remember being at a... I was at an 18th birthday party. And um, I remember that, you know, there was someone there who was a friend of mine in the year above who um, was in the... You know, would, would, I just remember them saying to me, look, you know, you've done really well, but you would know by now. And yeah. I remember that being like, okay, right, that's it. Done. I'm going to put that to bed. And it was literally about four months. And then suddenly Fiona Weir got on the phone and I was called in again. I think it kind of makes you build up a bit of a thick skin when you're kept waiting for so long. Mm. And then you're called in and then you don't know. And I think like by the end of it, you're like, wow, I can sort of deal with... <laughs> you know, just, just please let me know something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it does... Yeah, those gaps do feel really long. Yeah, for sure. I think it took a year from handing my photo in to actually being having the call saying, yeah. you've got it. It was really quick as well. Was, You've got it. Come in next week for your fitting. And I was at college. I was doing my A-levels. I was like, uh, let me check. Wait a minute, my A-levels. Screw my yeah, A-levels. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it's like, let me check. Am I going to regret this, buddy? Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so I sent my pictures in um, to Fiona Weir and then didn't hear for a while. And then went to meet her, I think it was Twickenham Studios. And yeah sat down they had a little camera set up had the chat and you i remember you telling me it was the same thing yeah it was it was um a one-on-one interview with fiona um and i remember talking to her and thinking god this is going really well this is amazing it's such a natural conversation and you know if this is being filmed for the producers this is going to look so cool and i got to the end of the chat and then she goes right okay we're just going to do that all again now, but we're going to film it. And I was like, no, God. Cheers, Fiona. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, but I guess that's acting, isn't it? That's yeah. It's recreating the moment. So, um, but she no. Was, she was absolutely lovely, Fiona. I remember I she was, her being so kind. I was quite actually impressed by like everyone in that sense involved in the film. Um, like Fiona and David, it, you know, there was a... There was a real sense of, you know, despite the fact that this film was so massive and despite the fact that it was a Hollywood movie and probably the biggest film of the year. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. like out of every film in the cinema that year, this was probably the biggest. You know, these people could have been like anyone I, I knew outside of the film. You know, they could have, they, you know, they were as friendly and as humble as, um, you know, teachers I had at school or, or family friends, you know, and you really felt there was a kind of coziness to it. There mm-hmm. was, the, you know, despite the glamour of the exterior, there was a there was a real sense of people kind of being very supportive. I don't think there was... A single person who was mean. <laughs> no, no, there literally wasn't. It was. Um, it's quite remarkable in that sense because you hear a lot of stories about. Well, I heard a lot of stories beforehand about film and you know people demanding their trailers to be painted pink and all this kind of stuff. You know, but that you didn't. It literally didn't come across anything like that at all. Yeah. It was completely, completely the opposite. Actually, well, I heard Joe Rowling properly fought for it to be kept mm. in the UK. Do you ever get to meet J.K.? No. Um, yeah, I. I would love to have met JK. I'm going to take you back to the audition process. I was wondering if you had a moment where you kind of had to up the ante to prove yourself. For instance, so 
Going back to my audition process, I went up for that meeting with Fiona and then didn't hear anything back and then got a call to come up to meet her and David and they kind of put it as like Tottenham Court Studio and I was like, I don't think there's a studio up in Tottenham Court but let's go. I think I had two days to memorise the script and yeah. I hadn't fully memorised it so we sat down, there was a camera there again, Fiona was on the camera and David was sat in front of me and we had this um, desk between us and so we went through the script and I remember at the end of so we had two readings I remember at the end of each reading looking up at David and him just going mm, okay let's try a little bit different <laughs> and I remember like after the second one I, was, I just thought I need to change this and the, the, the other thing was I was trying to do an Alan Rickman impression and it was oh stop <laughs> <laughs> can't do it um, it was awful. I could just see this horrified look on, on David Yates's face. Yeah. So I just went, can we throw down the scripts? He's like, yeah. And I was like, can we stand up? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I just remember him like jumping up <laughs> very enthusiastically and excitedly. And so we we're jumping around. And yeah. I remember walking out and my ex who was waiting for me just turned to me and was like, what was going on? Yeah. <laughs> she's just thinking, I don't think these are the Harry Potter producers. I think he's. I think he owes someone money. Yeah, exactly. Come out alive. What is going on? <laughs> but again, it took months waiting. Did you have a moment where you had to do? You had to kind of step your game up. Um, do you know what I was? I was kind of lucky because nothing was really that intense for me. I don't. I don't think in terms of like when I had the one-on-one interview with Fiona. What she said to me at the end was, "I'm not seeing anyone else for this." but we're just deciding about whether it's going to be in the film or not. And there was an element after that of like, okay, well, I've done all I can, you know. And I remember my, my dad actually picked me up from Twickenham Studios and he said, that's great, you know, that's that you, you've done it in a way. Like, mm. um, you've got the role. You, you know, anything else now is out of your control. So it sounds like you had a, a good time going through the audition mm. process and it was... It was, it was, it, I, I do look back on it with really fond memories. And yeah. I think what was nice was that I was, I was at a, boarding school um and i always heard the news through them i never you don't know i i never answered the phone myself so i always felt like it was kind of it was getting delivered to me and um and at school there was so much support i mean you know i had everyone i had my you know teachers saying that you know if you don't get it don't be disappointed you know it was all quite sort of british like you know dearie done your bit um but uh at the same time everyone was Everyone was, you know, all my friends were being really nice and they were saying, um, you know, that, you know, we're really proud of you, whatever. But then whenever there was an audition, they'd all like crowd to the gate. So I was like, hey, guys, no pressure. Thank you. Um, This is all good. Um, But yeah, but that was quite nice because I was, was, you know, I was away from home and it was, but actually um, the only time I answered the phone was when I found out I got the role. So every other time it was either, you know, about me getting an audition, it was, the news was given to me by my mum or by my housemaster. But, yeah, the only time that I actually answered the phone myself was when I found out I got the part. So, so was that at boarding school? No, no. So that was when I was back at, back, uh, back for the holidays. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> my mum had gone to the gym. And I just remember getting the phone call. And I went into... I remember the room that I went into and I, I, I answered the phone. And I just had this feeling even before it was Fiona that I just kind of sensed something. I don't know what it was, but I was just like, I mean, obviously it was on my mind anyway, but I answered the phone and, and, and um, she said, is, you know, is Jimmy there? And I said, um, speaking. And she said, oh, it's, it's Fiona Weir. And I was like, hi. Um, <laughs> and, you know, sort of like got myself, you know, like took the wire out and everything. Like, um, and she said, are you sitting down? And I said, yeah. And she said, we'd like you to play the young Gary Oldman. 
And she said, "Young Gary." Yeah, nice. and um, and I was like, "Thanks very much." And I was trying to sort of like you know sort of hide my excitement. So I was like, "Yeah, perfect." And she was like, "You free to come in tomorrow?" And I was like, "Yep." good um and put the phone down and i was quite lucky in the sense that i you know i've spoken to a lot of people that have got parts in films that you know probably would be you know like of bigger parts than mine but they've had this horrible thing where they weren't allowed to tell anyone did you were you able to tell people immediately i can't remember i wanted it to sink in yeah um i'd tell my family instantly i think that's the thing is i think i think they told everyone yeah i think they were more excited that's the thing is i think i think because the film was already being filmed when i when i was told the news. I was able to just tell everyone, but a lot of the time people aren't. You know, people have to kind of keep it to themselves. For yeah. you know, I could just be. I cannot imagine anything worse than that. You know. Yeah. Um, no, it was. It was. I mean, I didn't. You know, I didn't shout it from the rooftops or anything. I just told. I just immediately called up my family, my best mate, um, and you know, just a, a couple of other friends, and, and we all went for. You know, we all just went for a few drinks that night and. It was like the most amazing feeling, but then you've got that thing. Did you ever? Ha- did you have that fear where, up until that point, you just wanted the part? At the point where I mean, right at the end of the audition process, I mean, where you're like, you know, like, just want the part, want the part, want the part. You get the part, and the first immediate emotion is joy and happiness and elation, and then it sort of turns to fear of like, am I going to be able to do this? Or like, do you know what I mean? Or like, is everything I'd say, you know, I, I I was pretty confident when they said, can you, you know, you, you, you can do this, you can do that. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's all fine. But yeah, I, th- I think that's good. You know, you kind of go back and you read the book and you read the script and you, you, you have to, you have to basically show them that they've made the right decision yeah. and they haven't got it wrong. Um, and, you know, and that's, that's, that's the fun of it, I guess. I remember having those fears. I'd kind of written it off and then got that call. And then it just immediately kicked off. You're just saying, like, yeah. next day, going up, having all the fittings, mm. costume, prosthetics, and they're doing tests. Oh, the prosthetics. Trying I remember... to get my nose bigger. Yeah. How was yours? How was your well, test? Well, I remember, like, the first day, I think it was actually the day after getting the news, I was taken to Leavesden uh, Studios, which is where all the, all the films were shot. And did you ever have a gum shield at school? Right. Yeah. So, you know when you get an impression for that, where you have to... They put a load of what, what, what basically is like wet Play-Doh in your mouth and you have to chew on it and it's disgusting. A little bit like that, but all over your face. Yeah, that's so, kind yeah, of yeah. death mask. It was really horrible and it was put all over your face and the only, I think the only breathing space you were allowed were, were, were your, was your nose and your eyes or something. Like, but tiny dots of Eyes that. were completely covered. Um, oh, no, 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 yeah, but, but like, uh, the, the, yeah, actually, no, they were. You're right. Eyes were completely covered. It was just the weirdest thing, and you you just felt like you just saw pitch black, and it was um, it was really uh, cold as well. Really, yeah. being heavy. It was really cold and just yeah, bizarre. But um, that was that was the le- that you know that was the less pleasant side of the costume fitting. The really cool one was when um, we went up to Charlie and I, Charlie Hughes, who played uh, Wormtail, young Wormtail. We went up to get our costumes done and. They were doing the screen test. Oh, no, no, so it was our screen test, but it was they, they were filming the scene when, um, if I remember rightly, Professor Umbridge, played by Imelda Staunton, tries to sack Professor Trelawney, who's played by Emma Thompson, and it was in a big courtyard, and she sort of comes in and says, um, you know, I, I'm, you know you're going to leave. And then Emma Thompson's crying, and then Michael Gambon comes in, it's Dumbledore, and says, "Actually, you can't do that because you can fire her, but she she can still stay on the ground." So it was that big scene, 
And um, we were taken into the middle of the courtyard, in the middle of like 200 extras. And David Yates was like, right, he goes like, come come to the camera and do your best Gary Oldman, you know. And um, and it was uh, and it was it was cool. We were doing a few like walks up to the camera and everything. Um, and then like a bit like when you do like a school photo that's serious and you do a school photo that's silly. We were then just like mucking around in the middle with with Imelda Staunton and Emma Thompson. They were just like doing funny faces and everything. And it was it was it was awesome. It was really cool. Sounds pretty good. So for my camera test, it must have been just after you guys because it was only Emma Thompson there, but it was that scene. So when I got on to set, they were they were obviously saying Snape's on set, and so I remember Emma Thompson coming around going, oh, "Where's Alan?" And I was sat there sheepishly looking back at her, and she turned around and like, "No, no, it's young Snape." Uh-huh. <laughs> a little cheeky wave, but like like you're saying, I got put in front of the camera, everyone watching, and they're like, "Do something like Alan would," and I just stood there like an absolute idiot and just shrugged my shoulders and I don't know what yeah. to do and then yeah. there's this random dude in the background just shouted <laughs> do the eyebrow and so I kind yeah. of like <laughs> threw the people's eyebrow up in the air and they kind of cheered <laughs> and because they didn't quite get the nose right they were still messing with it it was very big at that time oh, <laughs> so I walked out and this driver staring at my nose and someone with his prosthetics was like oh god thank god for that you know that's huge I was going to say that can't be normal what if this was real <laughs> exactly so that's horrible. so funny I don't yeah. knew that that's amazing it's hilarious enjoyed it so much being involved with Potter and I shouldn't admit this but there are moments that I wish I could go back and redo mm, yeah like, I think there were moments with the acting where they wanted a bit more and I didn't give them that yeah it was my first time I was yeah. completely nervous and I, I I think I was more interested in how it was made actually than what I was doing in the scene yeah I think that was um you know that that was kind of probably what led me to go into more the production side of things later on is that I just remember being fascinated by the filmmaking process at the time at school I was making movies with my two my two friends and um it's kind of similar to what you ended up doing but we you know we had a tiny camera and we just make movies yeah. comedy films impersonating the teachers and stuff um <laughs> and uh and so I was fascinated by how, how films were made and I just had no idea about how any of it was done. So a lot of the questions that I had were mainly for just like the crew. I was just amazed by it all. What was your first day of filming? Was that with me up in that was with Oxford? You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think we, we all met actually up at Leavesden and we did on the... Oh uh, yes, no, of course. Trip. Yeah, we did We did a rehearsal. I wasn't happy with how, with how I did in the rehearsal at all. I remember being frustrated because I, I, I didn't really... sounds awfully pretentious, but I hadn't really found the character. Um... And I remember David saying, like, you know, he, he, you know, how do you think he'd be doing in this situation? And, you know, and then he was like, this is your key to try and work it out. But I, I remember leaving and thinking, yeah, I, I don't really, I, I, I need to do a lot of work on this before filming. And um, I think I had about a month, I guess, which was quite nice. I'd never done drama school. I'd, I, you know, I'd only really done drama classes at school and the National Youth Theatre so I didn't really have a huge amount of exercises to go on so I just made one up I was you know I was 18 at the time so I didn't really have a huge amount of knowledge about any of it but I just wrote down 10 adjectives that I thought described the character on paper and every day I would adopt a physicality that I thought conveyed that one adjective 
one adjective was adventurous. I'd adopt a physicality that I think would show someone who was adventurous and I'd spend the whole day doing that physicality. By the end of it, I kind of felt like I was a bit more confident in, in you know, how I was playing him. And I, and then it was, that, it was that idea of working from the outside in that made me think, actually, now I think I know kind of like what, what he'd be doing in this scene. And I was kind of like playing around with it with a few friends as well. And they were giving me some ideas, which was, which was cool. So we did the improv scene at Leavesden. And then we went to Oxford for two days of shooting. Mm-hmm. And we stayed yeah. over in a hotel. Yeah. Which was very exciting. That was really cool. Did you have far to travel to Oxford? Um, I remember, uh, not not particularly South London to Oxford, so I about like an hour and a half. I'm, yeah. I can't really like fully remember, but I do remember really needing the toilet when I'm in the car. <laughs> and I think like the guy who was taking me up, because it wasn't like the Leavesden assigned taxi drivers that know the actors. He was just he was just a taxi driver who was taking an actor to a Harry Potter set. So I think he thought I was like a celebrity. He was taking me to Oxford and I really needed the toilet. And I was like begging if I can go out. And he was like, oh, I don't know, mate. Like, you know, if paps come out the bushes or anything, you know, you might be. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm just going to enjoy this. And I was like, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's probably quite a good point, actually. Yeah. Um, no, I wasn't at all. I was, I was reassuring him that I wasn't a celebrity. We booked into this hotel and they were all very excited in there about like a Harry Potter scene being filmed and everything. And we, you know, I think we all hung out, didn't we, that evening. I had a weird alarm clock, I remember. They gave me an alarm clock in the hotel that just like all the all the lights started flash. Oh no, the TV started flashing and everything. So yeah, we were up at like five, and then we had to get um, so early. So early, like at, at the age I was like, whenever I was tired, I just drank a Red Bull. I was unaware of the huge sugar crash that you get from. It. I was just like, yeah, it wakes you up. See now, it's it's upset me how you've downplayed this getting the Red Bull because for me, oh, we did, we got a Red me, Bull. This yeah. was this was one of our. This is what kind of defined our friendship. I find it very hard to fall asleep in hotels. Yeah. Um, especially when you have to be up really early. Like when I'm working. Yeah. So these days I, I'm a director editor. When I go on shoots and have to stay away, I, I struggle to sleep. And so we got up and I remember we all jumped into uh, like a five-seater yeah. taxi. Yeah. And me and you were sat next to each other. And I remember talking. We were just both like we're so tired. And as we are pulling out, I remember... I can't remember who, who initiated it, but someone mentioned to the driver, can we get some red balls? It's probably and, me. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a petrol station across the way. And so he yeah. pulled in. Yeah, yeah. And we, we would jump out and yes. get our red balls yes. to wake up. And I yeah. remember the next day we did the same thing. And yeah, we, it became like a ritual. It was <laughs> yeah. like, it was like, yeah. It did really help though. It was nice. The night before I'd watched the fourth Harry Potter film just to get me up to speed. And then this kid comes up to my trailer who had his back to me. And he extended his arm and he said, hello there, Dan, nice to meet you. And I was like, oh, nice to, whoa. Like, you know, and I kind of realised almost like in the middle that it, that it was him. So he was really nice, wasn't he? He kind of came and introduced himself yeah. to all of us. Um, I, can't, I, I didn't realise you guys were outside of your trailers because I, I must have been in uh, prosthetics a bit longer because I, yeah. I think I had a bit more mm. done to my face. So I went back to my trailer and at the time I was really into playing guitar. So I'd, I'd oh, done cool. that really actory thing of bringing my guitar to set. Yeah, man. And so I, I, I was sat in my trailer rocking out <coughs> and had a little knock at the door. And door opens, it's Danny Radcliffe. And he came down, sat next to me as I'm playing the guitar. I was like, oh, you're playing guitar? And yeah, we had this nice little oh, moment. Great. So I think he was going around all our trailers looking for us to yes. say hello. Yes, the beginning he, was, of the day. he was lovely. He was a really, really yeah. nice guy. And he kind of hung out with us for the rest of the day, which he, he, he yeah. totally didn't have to do. No, exactly. It was, um, 
it was really nice, and you know, and then re- and really good. You know, really good. I think when you're a when you're a lead to to kind of like have that, you know, that 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 kind of attitude. I think you yeah. know, just like wanting to get to know everyone, like really kind of makes the film, you know, lifts up the film. It kind of like motivates everyone. Really, like makes it a big collaborative yeah. process. So to have that awareness of you're one of the biggest stars at the time, but to be so down to earth that you can go and meet these random people who are coming in and sit mm. down and have a conversation with them and be so friendly and comfortable it's really it's really professional and I think obviously yeah. that you know that's why he I think that you know they must have all been like that I think Harry Potter had a very it clearly had a very strong emphasis on being a child before an actor you know mm. if you're a child star and and I, I think that, you know, that's why they've all gone on to have the careers that they've had how did you find those two days in <clears> Oxford <throat> I found them amazing they were you know hot uh, a lot of layers it was cool. It was it was really good fun, and it was. I think the first day was, the first day was quite exhausting, because I think that the first day on set in the heat for that long is is quite yeah. intense. I remember actually there was it was good fun. There was a bit of improvisation in the scenes as well, which was nice. We got to play yeah. around and go off script a little bit, which was cool. It was interesting one serious because to be fair, I'm, I'm just really lucky that I was in the film at all because so much of it gets cut. Yeah. But he's been in prison. Now, you know, in in between the part where I play him and the part that Gary plays him, he's been in prison. So he's not. It's not like an imitation of what he's doing at all. Mm. He's completely, um, you know, in despair, ragged, you know, on the run, convict, um, who you know has seen the worst that life has to offer, and and nothing phases him, and he's got thick skin, and he's, you know, he could sleep anywhere and eat anything, and it's that kind of like roaming quality. And I'm playing him as a kind of well-groomed kid at school, uh, sheltered, if anything. Yeah. And so that... traumatic home life, though, didn't it? Traumatic home life and wanting to live with with James. Was there anything that you liked about that? Or had been going through something similar? You know, was there something you connected with the character? Yeah, there there was. I looked for that. I had a very happy home life, I'd like to say, firstly. (laughs) But but there was a... You know, I remember when I was at school and I was about 16... This kid came to school from London and he was, you know, there were all these like house parties happening every weekend and he took me under his wing every weekend and would, and would take me out, show, you know, show me the ropes and took me to all these like crazy nights out and I remember thinking, God, you know, this is like, and we became very close, very, very tight and, um, you know, I was, I was going through a rebellious stage at the time and I was like, I just want to come live with you, this is cool, this is cool. Yeah. And so I kind of like, you know, at a, at a much smaller scale could relate to him just wanting to like go and have fun with James and be away from the, you know, the clutches of his home life and, and you know, and, and, and go and enjoy that. And I suppose it's about taking that kind of connection you've got with the character and then expanding it into something bigger. And, and, yeah. um, and you know, I mean, what about you? Was there anything that you related to Snape? What, Oh, yeah, massively. So the idea of being an outsider. Yeah. So I'm originally from Cardiff in Wales, and I moved to England when I was 12, 11 or 12. Yeah. And so I came to this really posh part of England, West Berkshire. Berkshire, yeah. With this thick South Walian accent, although in Cardiff you're seen as more English, but still I had this accent. I was constantly mocked for it. It got yeah. so old. Luckily I fell in with the good good crowd eventually it's interesting I was, I was watching an interview with Piers Brosnan who went through exactly the same thing like when he when he came from Ireland to, to, to London he, he it gave him like a real motivation to lose the accent I think Kenneth Branagh said the same thing I think it's something with, with and you it's like with a lot yeah. of actors they, they kind of 
you know, they talk about this whole thing about your accent getting beaten out of you at drama school. I think they beat it out of them themselves in order yeah. to try and, you know, in order to, to survive, you know. I used to be able to speak Welsh fluently and I've pretty much forgotten it. And I think <laughs> it's because of those traumatic experiences at school. But wow. I kind of took that and put it put it into the character. Yeah, I was there for two days. You came back. I think you went back to Lewiston to shoot yeah. some of the things like you being turned upside down. And tell me about that when you when you had did you have sherbet put in your mouth? <laughs> yeah, so something? much was cut. Yeah, I did like yeah. three days of hanging upside down on this That's amazing. hydraulic arm. My fondest memory of those three days was um, so I turned up onto set and the arm was wasn't working to how they wanted to so they wanted to spend some time fixing was it second it. unit i think it was uh, stephen wolfenden who's the second unit director but the the, the guys who are doing it with the main stunt team right so they were like all right we're we're going to have to fix this recalibrate Rana came over to me and said you can go back to your trailer and i was like ah, i don't really want to go and sit in a room on my own and one of the camera guys had his laptop set up um, and he connected it to one of the viewer monitors and he turned around and said, oh, I'm about to put on The Untouchables, the Kevin Costner film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And would I like to stay and watch it? I was like, yes. Of course Love I would. Film. So yeah. I sat down and all these crew members began to join us and this older guy swooped in and went, whoa, whoa, everyone, watch the scene. And it's the bit where Kevin Costner's throwing the assassin off the roof and he's running towards the edge of the building and eventually throws him and wow. the way it cuts it takes longer than it should and so you can tell that when it comes from Kevin Costner approaching the, the ledge and to his point of view shot they go back quite a bit of distance and then he bursts out laughing and walks away and I remember turning to the um, the either the camera assistant or the sound guy and saying who was that? He's like oh that's the main uh, DOP Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> Wait. I, mean, I just love those moments where you just yeah. sat there and someone could come in and, you know, it could be DOP yeah. or, you yeah, know, it could like... be anyone. Um, and so I shot some other scenes as well. But I also had days where I was contingency, so they were doing outdoor scenes. Mm. And if it rained, they were then come and shoot my scenes. So you get called in for that as well. I had like two days of literally sitting on a couch. Do you ever get recognised? Um, no, um, <laughs> I'm trying, yes, once. Okay. Um, but. That was because that person was literally like like obsessed. I think not not really recognised. It, it was more the case that when someone would mention it to other people, I remember there was like a friend from uni that would always tell everyone. It was you know I I I, I genuinely I'm quite a quite a shy person. I'm not you know I don't enjoy that side of it so much. So like you know when we're sitting on the bus and she's like this guy was in Harry Potter. You know I don't I don't particularly like that massively. Yeah. It's um. You know, if people want to sit down and have a chat about it over a pint, I'm more than happy to do that. But um, but especially because it's such a small part of the film, you know, you don't you don't want to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? Like stand up and like declare it to people or anything. We went to the cast and crew, which was really cool. Yeah, and that was that was a nice reunion to sort of see everyone again and yeah. um, and to because we got a drink afterwards. Yes, and we all had plus one. Yeah, I took my best friend. That was James, wasn't it? James. Yeah, I remember James. Yeah. He's also, your, Hello. <laughs> <laughs> he's also your business partner? He is. So he um, he is the other half of Proud Haddock. 
uh, which was our theatre company, and uh, named after our teacher at school called Nick Haddock. Um, and he was he's kind of been there from the get go, really. Like, well, we we met when we were thirteen, but we made the films together um, with another friend called Rob, um, and uh, we we directed a play at uni together, and we we now work together on plays in London. So he was um, he was the person I took. Yeah, nice. How did you guys find the whole experience of the cast and crew? Because it wasn't a premiere, but it definitely felt like a premiere. Yeah, it was. They booked out all these cinemas. Yeah, it was. It was in Leicester Square. Yeah. It was. It was very exciting. There was a buzz in the air. There was you know, actors there, and it was. Um, yeah, it was. It was great. I was really excited by it. To be in the film at all and credited was, you know, a great privilege. And I, you know, I look at the whole thing as an experience from the pre-production to the filming to, to everything, and it was. It was just there was, there was so much of it away from the camera that was amazing, yeah. incredible, um, and uh, you know it, it, it was it was one big experience, and the, and 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 the filming part of it was 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 a part of that, and and it, and, and it was great. It was great to just see it up on the big screen, and it was um, yeah, it was kind of how I thought it would be, I guess, mm. because I wasn't so used to David Yates's filming style. It was interesting. I didn't know he was going to pick that kind of style of how it was done. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. Um, it was so different from God yeah. of Fire as well. It's just the look. Yeah, it was very... Um, Shot I, choices. I think that was what felt really exciting about the whole thing for me was because I think we came into it at the point when there was this young, exciting director who was coming on board with it. He had this quite sort of edgy background mm-hmm. in television, done a lot of political stuff. And, and, and you know, he was he was sort of growing the franchise up, I suppose. Yeah. Um, he, he really bridged the gap from it being a... Essentially, I mean, I know the film's got darker by the Goblet of Fire, but essentially it was, a, you know, it was still very much a, a fantasy teenager film um, to being something a lot darker and, 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 and something actually where you could see all of that, you know, the previous work that he'd done, like The Girl in the Cafe and all of those, you know, those, those really edgy, te- you know, he had, a, he had a television background. Yeah. And I think he really brought that to the franchise, yeah. which, was, which was cool. I think it was his first feature film. Yeah, which is quite quite an achievement. Yeah, he is going to be up there with the greats, and to be on his first ever movie going to the cinema was, you know, it's kind of like you're part of history, yeah. really. I guess to be part of a franchise that ten years later everyone's still talking about. As yeah, well. it's yeah, it's quite a big thing in people's lives. You've gone into directing, yeah, for the theatre, yeah, and so you've done three plays as a company. Yeah, um, we've done. Um, I t- I took a bit of time out. I went to drama school as an actor, and decided to go into directing before I graduated. It was a decision that I was very excited by, and um, I, I got to spend about two years after graduation working for other companies directing for other companies assistant directing for bigger companies and so I tested the water and eventually felt like I had enough knowledge to be able to start a company and we are yeah we've done three productions we're about to do our fourth that's coming up in in five months and uh, it's been great fun and it's just been a, a real learning experience you know at the end of each production we sit down and we talk about what went wrong not what went right and so it it's, it it feels like we're just slowly learning, 
you know, creeping up the ladder, which yeah. which is good. So you did a, a bit of acting as well. Yeah. I can't remember if you were still at drama school or if you'd left, but you, you did a play in Edinburgh, Fringe. Mm. And uh, I was a runner at the time, and me and a couple of runners came up because another runner friend of ours was in fame too or something and cool something awesome yeah yeah he absolutely loved it and yeah he, he knew it was cheesy and <laughs> but we came and saw your play it was the one uh where there is a card game of poker dealer's choice yeah dealer's choice. choice and it oh. was all of ours favorite of that festival that oh, awesome that's so no that yeah. was when i was at uni that was when i actually just graduated uni and, and was about to start drama school and um, that was with a theatre company called Dugout Theatre and that goes down as probably I mean actually like Potter was a great experience but it wasn't it was it was short it was only two days so in terms of like an actual experience of like months 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 probably going to Africa was number one um, which was just incredible because that was just like four months of travelling around Uganda and East Africa which was amazing wow. second to that would be that Edinburgh Festival, just because it was unbelievable. You know, it was it was six guys living together, doing a play about poker, um, living in and out of each other's pockets, unsure about whether it was going to go well, really going for it on the Royal Mile every day, coming up with a niche, to, you know, fun ideas and all this, trying to sell tickets. It, we, you know, ended up selling out, which we were, you know, completely chuffed by. And we would, you know, it, it was... But we just we felt like we learned a lot, I think, because we were kind of working it out ourselves, not yeah. not being taught it, and um, and that play was so much fun to do. We we did it actually. We took it to Scarborough after that, and um, we'd done it in Leeds before. But um, no, it was just awesome. It had a feeling of I think a lot of the time when you do plays, like it can it can feel a little bit higher. What's it, what's it, hierarchical, hierarchy, you know, like there's kind of like you know from the top down to the bottom and there's different departments and all this kind of thing there was just something very simple and very authentic about six guys who were their own producers actors directors almost you know just like a group of players coming out with a pack of cards and just doing this play night after night and just you know doing that for a month was was amazing so much fun it was so well conceived. I remember it being very Burkoffian. So it, was, yeah. it reminded me of Stephen Burkoff's East, where you kind of had a scene, but then you had these amazing transitions into the next scene where you would all get up and do almost a, a sort of dance or a movement yeah, into I, the scene. And... I managed to get away with not doing a huge amount of that because, <laughs> um, because well, that's credit to so George is, is the, was was the director. If there was one, he was in it as well, but he was um, he was. Very much, I mean, the, the way I described George was, you know, he created an atmosphere where everyone felt like that they were the director. But because of that, he was so clearly the director. You know, everyone had a huge amount of respect for him and, 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 and there was a presence there and, and he had such a status. And, um, and he came up with those ideas because in the script, um, it's just very, you get these blackouts and it goes into the next scene and it feels a little bit disjointed and he worked out a way in which you could incorporate some kind of movement into that. However... I'm incredibly uncoordinated. I was the outsider character-wise, so the other characters are part of this restaurant, and I come in as this kind of mysterious figure. And so I said, you know what, I think it would be really good, like, it'd be really interesting if I didn't do all that kind of stuff, and I just sat there, because, you know, I'm the outsider, and they can do all that sort of thing, and it'd be, you know, I'm just, like, observing it. 
they were like, Jimmy, you're trying to say that you, you just think you might struggle with all the choreography. I was like, yeah. And so, uh, so I kind of got away with it. I swear um, you did do one, I, d- I, d- I did a little bit on the card table. but Yeah, you helped pre- prep the table when yeah. this game occurred. Oh, good memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it was awesome. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun to do. And it was, um, it was a play that, uh, yeah, will always live with really, you know, I'll always have fond memories of it. It was, it was great really fun. good. I managed to come and see your first play that you directed within Proud House, Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar, which opening night that was at Saatchi Gallery. Wasn't yes, it? terrifying. It was uh, it was awesome, but again, one of those things where we just decided to go for it, and I think it was it was something that felt very. I mean, we always knew, we always talked about you know the first production that we were doing as a company, smashing the door down as opposed to politely opening it. I think if you're going to launch it, it's got to be something quite operatic, quite explosive. And we were struggling with it because we always knew that we wanted to do Julius Caesar in this political Whitehall corporate environment of stabbing in the back. Is it metaphorical stabbing in the back? With it, is it you know with a pen and a signature? Is it fit? you know all these kind of things that are you know pretty similar now with the Brexit and the um, <clears throat> you know the betrayal and connivance of certain people against each other. And we knew that we wanted to do that, which is quite an epic thing. But at the time, we'd never done a production before, so a lot of the theatres we were looking around were quite small. And it just didn't really feel like it sat well in those theatres. Yeah. And so I was having brunch with my business partner, James, and he said, what about the Saatchi Gallery? Because the Saatchi Gallery has um, an association with political campaign posters and slogans, and at the same time being apolitical, so they, they get involved with the Labour Party and the Conservative Party. It's not one or the other, because we were very keen to not be seen like we were pro-Labour or pro-Conservative, you know, whatever. But at the same time, when you go outside the Saatchi Gallery and you look at the building, it's got this traditional Roman architecture to it, which was very important for us to cling on to that heart of the story, despite the fact that we're putting it in this world that is very modern, very relatable, very important to cling on to what's actually going on and the heart and the essence of the of the story. We just decided to go for it. We'd, we wrote them a, a sentence, I think, on email saying, we'd like to do Julius Caesar at the Saatchi Gallery your first ever theatre production and they got back to us and said would you like to come and have a meeting so we said okay and we we, we paid someone to create a proposal pack and we, we, we really did a lot of work in terms of like trying to just get make that first meeting a success and then after about two hours with them uh, they said okay let's go for it it was very scary it was very full-on it was a huge challenge because obviously there's you know as a, as a Saatchi gallery you're now negotiating and dealing with people that have never ever done a theatre production before in that in that gallery. So the, at the same time as saying you're the first ever theatre production at the Saatchi Gallery, what comes with that is this amazing amount of stress because normally you're not allowed water in there. So we had all these issues with fake blood, um, you know, actors backstage getting checked, you know, all these kind of things that you've got to renegotiate. So, you know, there's another full-time job that comes with it. And I was, I was sort of um, directing it uh, working with another producer on it, doing you know, launching the company at the same time. I was probably on about two hours sleep a night. It was very, very intense. And so we had this five-week rehearsal process building up to this one day that we had in the gallery where we um, would go in at 6 a.m., build a theatre in the gallery that had never been built before, um, build that theatre, and then in the afternoon, if we were lucky, squeeze in an open dress rehearsal, run, first ever run in there, in the space and then literally 20 minutes after that all the press arrived all of the audience and it would be the stakes could not have been higher and if that failed it would have been goodbye proud haddock and 
I can't be doing something else. But luckily, it was you know that everyone had worked very hard on it, and and also I think with the with the rehearsal time, we moved around a lot of different rehearsal rooms, which meant that we didn't get too used to one space. So by the time we got to the Sargi Gallery, it was almost like we could have been on tour. It was a great night with, yeah, again, a lot of support, which was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I remember catching you, I think it was in the interval or at the end, and it was just a quick kind of congratulations, quick yeah. catch-up. But yeah. yeah, everyone was just kind of jumping on you, James, and the cast. And yeah, the... well, no, thank you so much for coming. I mean, oh, I, can, I, I can say now time. that we have time. I can sort of express that. It really was just crazy and it, you know and the fact that i i normally remember all like i remember a lot of things i i i struggle to remember all the moments on that evening just because it was it was like <laughs> one big blur and there are even moments throughout the day where we didn't know if it was actually going to be able to happen you know some of the technical problems that were happening sure and you just got to have this blind optimism it was very very intense and the most stressful day of my life but I think the most rewarding as well when we look back on it and say actually yeah that was that was good fun we did yeah. you know that was all right yeah and then you did two more then we went plays. after after that stress we thought let's do something a bit smaller um, so we did a, a Noel Coward two hander of uh, two Noel Coward plays called We Were Dancing in the Better Half packaged under the name A Naughty Night with Noel Coward and that was great fun that was at the Old Red Lion which is you know a, a lovely venue and. That was awesome. That was just really good fun. It was a really. It was last summer. It was a lovely run, great cast. And then the next, the latest one was a subject of scandal and concern by John Osborne, which was at the Fimbra Theatre, which was a true story about the last ever blasphemy trial that took place in the UK. So not that similar to Noel Coward, um, but you know you want to make apples and oranges with these things, I think, <laughs> as opposed to doing the doing the same thing again. And our next production, I can't say what it is. But it's exciting. So it Do you know when you will be showing it? It will be in January. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you've got Twitter at Proud Haddock. Yes. Um, we've got at Proud Haddock on Twitter. We've got www.proudhaddock.com, which is our website, and a Facebook page. So people can keep up to date with it and see when, they certainly when can. tickets are available, etc. Yes. Be a, be a, be a haddocker. <laughs> <laughs> Questions. So I put out on Twitter if anyone had any questions. Yeah. I managed to get four questions. Okay. First one is, do people say, are you being serious? As in, are you being serious? Are you being serious? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but, um, <laughs> but they do, when I got the, when I got the part, um, someone did send me a, what was actually a congratulations card, but it was of John McEnroe saying, you cannot be serious. It's just his catchphrase. So that was kind of similar. That's yeah. great. You cannot be serious. <laughs> um, so that was cool. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, second question. Personally, I quite like this question. Personally, mm. are you more on Severus or Marauder's side? Oh. Whom do you like better? I think in terms of the individual character... I've got a lot of sympathy for Sirius. Cause I do think he turns out to be a good man. And I think, you know, what we were talking about earlier, you know, everyone, I think there's a line that he has in the film, which is, you know, there's light and dark in everyone. There's, you know, shades of grey and it's, it's about what we choose to act on. And, you know, there is a lot of good in him. And I would say as an individual to an individual, I, I, I like Sirius the most out of all the people in that. However, judging it as an outsider in terms of the groups, I've always had sympathy for the underdog. So I would say I'm probably more on... Snape, so that's not too diplomatic, is it? That's all right. I'm going to say both. Let's go with Snape. Let's go with Snape, yeah, (laughs) the underdog. Third question What would be your go to spell in real life? Oh, in real life. 
there's something quite funny about Wingardium Labiosa because you could just do it and freak people out. You know, I just like the idea of like making something hover in front of someone yeah. and they don't know what you're doing. And the fourth one, which other character other than Sirius would you like to play? Oh, good question. To play? Very good question. I think I would have liked to have played Lockhart, the kind of <laughs> Brown of Plagues. I think he's a great character. I think you'll have so much fun with him. Yeah. So I had a thing for Moody, Mad-Eye Moody. Yeah. It's just fun. Yeah, that'd be good fun. So that's it for our Twitter questions. Just as a last thing, I thought I'd do a little... Quiz. I'm going to fail badly at this just before <laughs> I begin, so my apologies in advance. Okay. Well, the title of this is Why oh, So Serious Black? Okay, okay. Yeah, did you like that? It yeah, I like that. took me ages. Very good. So I've got a load of quotes. Okay. Half are quotes by Sirius. Okay. And the other half are <clears throat> quotes by other characters within the films. Okay. All of the quotes centre around the three films he appeared in. That's okay. Let's do this. You've done beautifully. Now let me take it from here. That was Sirius Black in The Prisoner of Ask. Oh, no, no, that was Sirius Black in The Order of the Phoenix. It was. In the battle scene. Yeah? That's good, yeah. That's good. I there mean, all go. I wanted was, is it Sirius yeah, Black yeah. or not? But cool. you kind of went there. Okay. Next one. If you're going to kill Harry, you'll have to kill us too. Hang on a second. I know exactly who that is. Uh, let's give <laughs> a... It's not Sirius. Okay. Oh, no, that was, um, that's Hermione. It is. Yeah, there we oh, go. This is, this is impressive. Okay. Uh, next one is, give me a reason, I beg you. Snape? You're, you're yeah. rocking these. Okay, cool. Yep. That Next is, one. Yeah, that's the Snape. So that's three out of three so far. Okay. I need that prophecy. Serious Black or not? No. Not okay. Serious Black. You've got that correct. I got. Okay, I'm just going to go with. Is that Lucius Malfoy? No. I mean, Lucius may have said it, but this particular line was from Lord Voldemort. Okay. Voldy himself. Voldy. It's been 14 years. And still not a day goes by that I don't miss your dad. That was serious. Yes, it was. Yeah. I had to see you off, didn't I? What's life without a little risk? That was serious as well. That was serious. Now, don't forget to speak very, very clearly. Okay, so it's going to be someone... Te- is that Lupin? Um, so you're saying it's not? No, I don't think it's serious. Okay, you've got that correct. Okay, I think it's someone teaching someone a spell. Now, don't forget to speak very, very clearly. Oh, is it Arthur Weasley? Ooh, no, 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 uh, no, Mrs. Weasley. It is, yes, it is Mrs. Weasley. Okay, now we're down to the last two. Okay. Well, being me has its privileges. Serious or not serious? Clearly, someone who's a bit arrogant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah, that's good. That's a good guess. Um, being me has its privileges. I don't know. Who's that one? Debs. Oh, you come to this game with all this. <laughs> oh. I thought, oh, it's Mrs. Weasley, and then. No. No, not that question. The one oh, the previous. Okay. Yeah. It's um... Dumbledore. Ah, oh, okay. 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 Final one. Final one. Oh, this one's easy. Okay. Get away from my godson. Serious. Yes. Yeah. Good man. Indeed. But people can follow you. At Proud Haddock. Yeah, if people, yeah, so um, at Proud Haddock, so do do give us a follow or a you know and um, and do get involved if you enjoy theatre, come and see one of the shows. I hope to see as many people as possible very soon. Excellent, Jimmy Walters. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And that was the podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope to get more out. So please stay tuned via Twitter and my website, and I'll be releasing some more very very soon. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any comments, get in touch. 
until next time, bye-bye.